Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You can follow us online at cometofreedom.com. My dad loves preaching verse by verse studies of the Word of God giving its full counsel. His studies pay particular attention to the practical application, contemporary examples, and incorporates the Word into our daily lives. Enjoy today's sermon and make sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss any future teachings. Let's open up to 1 Corinthians 16. So pastor, when did we start studying 1 Corinthians? Well over a year ago. We're going to finally finish it today, which means we're going to be doing 2 Peter or 2 Corinthians later uh, this year. Uh, we're going to take a look today at the last chapter, um, chapter 16. If you guys recall with me, chapter 15 is so cool because the Corinthians, even being carnal Christians and all the issues they were having in that local church, okay, Paul had to address some things, confront things, and in that, he gets to chapter 15 and just lays down the gospel beautifully, okay? And we wrapped up in our last study, what did Jesus do to death? He put death to death. That's pretty awesome, okay? Um, That's all part of the gospel. Before we jump into chapter 16, I want to read the last verse of chapter 15 with you guys because I just love this verse. It says, Therefore, in light of all of this, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's something, guys, as believers, there's a lot that we can give our hands to, our life to. But as Christians, guys, we should be a part of the family business. He is our Heavenly Father. What is he up to? What is he asking of us? Well, he's called us into ministry also with him. And what is that ministry? It's a ministry of reconciliation. You guys know that only about 15% of Christians ever share their faith with somebody else? Oh. Why don't we see revival? Did you guys know that only about 15% of Christians share their faith with other people? Why is church attendance going down and people walking away from their faith? You guys know that only about 15% of Christians share their faith with others. God speaks. We have his word. And I believe when the church has faithful pastors who proclaim faithfully his word, declare what he has said, And then the church does, not just hear, but our doers, James 1.22, of the word, we would see the things that are in the heart of our God. Because our God's heart is one that desires none to perish. His grace has appeared to all men. The gospel is for all people. So, beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's a pretty good sermon. But we got a whole chapter to look at. Chapter 16, I really appreciate because this is one of the most, it gets into the practical things of Christianity in practical ways. And I want you guys to catch because Paul This guy's a scholar. (laughs) He's got the Holy Spirit, okay, flowing through him. God has given him these words to pen to this church. And I love it because there's no thought too high for Paul to scale here. There's no administration need too small for him to deal with. Like Paul gets very practical in this chapter. And he begins by talking about the Corinthian collection. So let's look at verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must also, or you must do also. Verse 2, it says, on the first day of the week, okay, that is what, Sunday, let each one of you lay something aside, storing as 
or storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. So I think when it comes to finances, um, each individual church is usually guilty of two things. Either they talk about it and address it way too much or they don't address it enough. There's a balance there biblically. And you guys have been hanging with us here at Freedom. It's one of those things, we're going to talk about it. We don't shy away from giving, but we do it when it comes up in the scripture is we just work through God's word. She's like, all right, I think God knows the balance in which we need to discuss things. Because if we're talking financials and giving every week at length, well, what about the rest of the scripture? (laughs) God wants us to give the whole counsel of God. And that's a safety for us as believers. And that's why I encourage you guys, be in church. It's not just a Christmas and Easter thing. No, we grow through the word of God. A little here, a little there. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how we grow. And for you guys who have given yourself to the study of Scripture, you've been in a Bible church for a long season of life, you've seen steady growth. That is just something God's Word does within us. It is His plan. That's what He's asked of us. So, talking finances a little bit here this morning from these scriptures is actually applying to special offerings. That's what Paul is talking about here. The Greek word is logeas, okay, so it's an extra piece of giving as well as the regular offering here. And the problem that he's addressing, there's a severe famine that's been going on in Jerusalem. Really? Does that happen? Do you guys know that there's severe famines going on today? Okay. Some places, man, they haven't got rain in years. And they finally got rain. Well, praise God. Well, that caused a bunch of flooding. And the little bit of planting that they did have going on got destroyed by it. So it's one of those things. These are very real problems. And here, Paul, hey, I got a heart. We have the disciples there. We have these Messianic Jews, people coming to faith in Christ, our brothers and sisters. They're starving there, right in Jerusalem. You guys can jot down, and I'm going to have a handful of cross-references this morning. So if you love the study of the scriptures, jot these down. The first one we'll look at is from Acts chapter 11, verse 27 and 29. It says, Agabus stood up, and he showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world. And then it tells us, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren who were dwelling in Judea. And again, Paul is where? He's writing to these Corinthians, these Gentiles. They're outside of Judea. So Paul did his part in this relief effort. He made it known. Martin Luther said this, and I like it. He said, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbors do. You guys like that? Cool. And then I like Charles Spurgeon, what he said. He said this, if you want to give a hungry man a tract, and that's like a little gospel presentation, like, hey, read this. You can repent and go to heaven. because I mean, that's cool, hand out tracts. But he said this, if you want to give a hungry man a tract, then wrap it in a sandwich. I actually did that in Romania. We made hundreds of sandwiches. Homeless people there. We wrapped them up, and every one we put a tract in. You know, here, sandwich in the name of Jesus. Man, beautiful. Was there just 10 days and a church was birthed, guys. 55 people came to the first service. Why? Here's a sandwich in the name of Jesus. Here's the good news. That simple. Where are we hanging out? Underground in the sewers, that's where they slept at night. That's where they stayed warm. Let's go where they are. These people need Jesus. They're hopeless. They have nothing. Anyways, I've shared stories about that before. Anyways, Paul talking here about this famine, he mentions in Romans, also here in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Acts. So we also note that it's not wrong to let your needs be known. Well, don't you know that I'm American? And I've been taught just to pull it all together and be independent, and I don't need anybody else, Pastor. Who cares? What does God want us to be? 
real. Do you guys know that's where God works, when you can be honest and real? How many of you guys are blessed by serving others, by giving? Anybody? You know why? Because <laughs> that's the way God designed things to be. It's more blessed to give than receive, he said. But if we don't share a need, guess what we're doing? We're ripping off the blessing of other people to be able to come alongside and meet that need. Why has the pantry been going on for over a dozen years? It's part of God's heart. But it's also the hands and the feet of Jesus showing up weekly, volunteering, like, I will serve. I will do. And why do people keep doing it? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's what we do as believers. We're not buying into the lie of this world that, hey, I can fake it. I can put my mask on and say, I'm okay. Everything's good. I don't need any help. And if you are doing that, you're a liar. You're lying to others and you're ripping off blessings from people. But when we're honest and real, watch out what God's going to do. You guys ever been in a Bible study where somebody's vulnerable and open? Doesn't the spirit begin to move and minister? You have brothers and sisters come around? Yeah. It's pride. Nope, I'm good. But God gives grace to who? The humble. Guys, let's be real. That's what I've asked you guys to do for years. Just be real. And right here we see it. Let your need be known. So as we move on, I want to lay out five principles that we see in this passage of Scripture. And maybe the reason Paul uses words like given orders or must do is because of the indebtedness that he talked about in Romans chapter 15. So you can chap, uh, just go back to chapter 15 real quick. It's the book right before First Corinthians. You guys might remember this chapter from a couple years ago. It tells us in verse 25 of Romans 15, but now I, and this is Paul also writing this letter, um, going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, he says in verse 26, for it pleased those in Macedonia and Acacia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. And it pleased them indeed, and they are in, or they are, uh, they are, their debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of these spiritual things, their duty is also to minister them in material things. So this was prearranged. So if we go back to Corinthians 16 here, guys, we saw in verse 2 that they were to take this offering on the first day of the week. So giving shouldn't be done haphazardly, guys. It's something we need to be intentional about, be thoughtful about, be regular in. So how careful are you about planning in this area? Okay? Sometimes having a budget's a good thing. Why? Because, hey, having a budget means I'm actually making that a priority, something God's asked me to do. And isn't it cool when you have things budgeted and the need comes up? You know what? I just got kicked out of my house. Well, here, let me uh, get you the hotel for a night. <laughs> let me help you get situated here. You know, I got no food in my cupboards. You know, to be ready as needs come up to have that. So how do you communicate that to your family, to your kids especially? Are you teaching your kids how that looks to give, to partner in that way? Also, if you caught in verse 2, it becomes personal. Each one of you. So everybody involved, whoever you are. Maybe you work with the kids' church. Okay, maybe you're a deacon, you're serving here at the church, or an elder, a new convert, an old convert, rich or poor. Okay, the poor, yeah, even the poor. You guys can jot down 2 Corinthians 8.2. Each one of you to be involved, right? 2 Corinthians 8.2 says this, A great trial of affliction of abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their uh, liberality. And then in verse 5, Five, okay, they were able to give, and not only it says as they had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. I think that's pretty cool. People that are even without. And I've seen over the years, there's people who are big givers and they make the least amount of money. They have the least, okay? What's up with that? Well, it's the heart of God. And again, it doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. You do what God asks you to do. 
So according to verse 2 here, this giving, each one of you, it makes me think of the, the widow's might. How many of you guys think of that parable that Jesus shared when you consider this? My head always goes to that, and it's beautiful, okay? I've seen that played out personally in my life. I've seen people firsthand <laughs> give their widow's might, and it's beautiful. So are you contributing to the needs that you hear of and to the church? Do you see your individual gift as being significant? You know, was the little widow and her penny she gave significant? Well, according to Jesus, you betcha. She gave more, okay? That's what God looks at, and that's what it's all about. God, you gave me everything. (laughs) How can I not give? How can I not follow your example? Because you're a giver, Heavenly Father, For you so loved the world that you gave what? Your only begotten son. (laughs) That's in his nature. And we follow in that nature. So uh, we need to also be prepared. In verse 2 it says, lay something aside or keep putting aside and saving is literally what it means. And also being proportionate. Okay, that's the last part of verse 2, that he may prosper. So the amounts is going to differ from person to person so we can all have the same attitude when it comes to giving. That can be a common thing in us. It doesn't matter how rich or poor we are. We can all have the same attitude, a biblical attitude, when it comes to giving. And that's why it's good. What does God have to say about it? Because to be honest, within the church, giving has gotten very perverse and unbiblical. How many of you guys have experienced that in the past? Okay, it's just not good. It's not healthy. We always um, stand on Second Corinthians nine seven. It says, "So let each one of you, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." He looks at the heart. When you give, is your heart in it? That's what he cares about. Well, I gave a lot. Great. Is your heart in it? I didn't have much to give. Was your heart in it? (laughs) He loves the cheerful giver. Where is your heart before the Lord? I read a story this week of a lady who brought $50 as a gift to Sunday one church. And then she asked the pastor, hey, is this gift satisfactory? And the answer, does the gift represent you? And I liked that. Well, she went back home and she came back with $5,000 and asked the pastor again, well, is this gift satisfactory? And again, he responded, does this gift represent you? And she again had to leave and she returned with $50,000. And she said, after earnest and prayerful thought, I've come to the conclusion that this gift does represent me and I am happy to give it. It's not the amount, but it's the I'm happy and that's what God cares about. When you give, when you see a need and you come along some alongside buddy or you give to the church, is it coming from a place of I'm happy to do this? It's my cheerful heart. The Greek literally in that passage in 2 Corinthians, hilarious. That's what the Greek word is. Hilarious. I, yeah, <laughs> there it goes. Okay, do you give cheerfully or do you have to peel one finger by one off the checkbook. Like, oh, it's so hard, you know? If that is, don't give. Don't give if that's your heart. Because God's looking at the heart. That's what he cares about, guys. And that's what we see biblically when it comes to giving. And we also see in verse 2 that it's to be done in private. He says, no collections when I come. So Paul didn't want them to give just because, hey, the great apostle Paul is visiting this Sunday and we're going to give extra money just because he's here. It's not about that. It's not about that. And just to let you guys know, most of you guys do, I have no clue what anybody gives at the church here. That's just something as a pastor I've purposed because I don't want to ever look at any one of you like, oh, they're regular givers. I guess I'll be a little extra nice to them to make sure money comes into the church. That's just wrong, okay? We guys, it's between us and the Lord. What is God asking, okay? We're never going to ask you to come in and bring, hey, bring your tax statements in this last year. We're going to look and make sure you're giving that. We don't do that. 
okay? We do what the Bible says, and it's to come from a place of a cheerful heart. So now verse 3 and 4, this comes around accountability, okay? So important in a church, in the world to see, and it's a positive reminder for you and I, guys, um, that it's not only about our church because their, their, their giving was for what? It wasn't for the Corinthian church. It was for these believers over here, the church there in Jerusalem, okay? And I, I so love that. So this helped the Corinthian church view themselves not as, you know, members of a congregation, but as the church, and that's beautiful. When things shook out about a year ago, okay, over in Poland, okay, we did, Sunny and I took a missions team over there. We have some connections over there. And there's a church family over there that began to take in refugees, just not a couple families, but dozens of families into their church. You guys stepped up. I just let the need be known. We took a special offering, and you guys gave. And what a blessing. It wasn't for Freedom Fellowship in Kirkana, Wisconsin. It was for these refugees all the way over in Poland at the church there with Pastor Peter. Like, what a blessing. And we need to have that heart and understand that it's not about us. A lot of churches get caught up and we need to build our church. No, there's one church. There's one church. If God ever would bless our church like crazy financially, like there's an abundance over and above our budget, and there was a local church coming in to do a church plant, I hope our heart would be, hey, we have extra. (laughs) Even if you're right across the street, (laughs) let us help. You're part of the church. You're you're about the family business. You're going to be proclaiming that it's not a competition, and that's what churches fall into, and that's not the heart of God. So I love that this is so practical. Do you guys see how practical this is here this morning for us as believers? I love that Paul shared these. He's got other cool things uh, to share. Just a couple more thoughts real quick on giving. Giving should be a grace giving, okay? Uh, Paul, who spoke most freely on the topic, if you read through the New Testament, it comes up a lot, but he never mentioned tithing. Have you guys ever caught that? Paul never mentions tithing, okay? We aren't obligated to tithe. Instead, we have opportunity to give to the Lord as he lays on our hearts. So it's whatever God asks you to do, okay? So grace giving, not tithing. That is biblically what's taught. Though tithing, I think, is a great you know, principle. It's even taught in the Bible pre-law before the law was even given. We saw that practiced and taught. But our motivation, guys, is grace, not law. Do you understand that? And I don't know about you guys, but I have found grace often goes over and above because you don't know what your right hand and your le- like your left hand's doing its own thing. I'm giving over here. <laughs> you just it's a grace thing. Like how can I not? And it's one of those things as we budget, you know, we want to grow in the Lord for my family. We want to give more and more every year. It's just how how does that look to be generous? How can we make that happen? And it's because of God's grace. We don't feel legalistic about it. It's just like, "Whoa, this is what we should and have to be doing." No. We get to be a part of what God's up to, you know. It's a blessing. Hey, this brother's doing missionary work. Yeah, we'll support you, bro. Your family's going where? Awesome. How can we help? Make it happen, guys. So Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Can we do that again? Freely you've received, freely give. And I want to thank you, church family. You guys are givers. Thank you very, very much. So, uh, we use boxes for giving in the foyer, okay? A lot of people have come to church here. It's like, you didn't pass the plate. <laughs> like, how do I give to the church? We got boxes by the doors. And some of you guys wonder, why, why do you guys do that? It actually comes from 2 Kings 12, 9. Then Jedidah, the high priest, took a chest, bored a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar. And on the right side, when one comes into the house of the Lord, and the priest who kept the door put... There, all the money that was brought to the house of the Lord. So that's kind of how we roll here. It's just there. Just drop it in, give, whatever. So 
we've never asked for finances from the church from the pulpit here, okay? Um, nor um, to specific individuals like, hey, we really need money to keep things going here at Freedom. We've never done it. We're never going to do it, guys. However, we're going to install some little card readers on every chair to make your credit cards. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have all, we have and will continue at other times, we have taken special love offerings for missionaries or different needs that have come up, okay? And you guys have been around long enough. You know that we've done that, and that's what we see biblical. That's what we see here in Corinthians. So that's how we roll here. And again, don't get emotional, okay? There's a lot of hype, okay? I was part of a church at one point 25 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm getting old. It was 30 years ago <laughs> here in the valley and stuff. is seize the dream, and they had this huge campaign, and all we were going to do in our giving, you know, and I'm like delivering pizzas, making next to no money, and it was just this emotional hype. And I, I committed to give a chunk of change I wanted to give, but it wasn't realistic. <laughs> and I ended up feeling so guilty. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, it's one of those things because, hey, I promised to give this much so we could build this thing. Yeah, we're never going to do that, guys, okay? I'm not saying that those type of things are wrong. I just don't see it in the scriptures. And you guys know at Freedom, we like to be scriptural. So um, got more questions about that, we can talk. But we got to move on here. I just encourage you guys to participate in what the Lord is doing. Don't get emotional about giving. Pray. If a need comes up, you get on your knees and you just ask God, would you have me to participate? Yes or no? And there's going to be times he says no. Because you, some of you guys are generously givers. Like, everything that comes up, you're like, yeah! <laughs> God may say, no, this one isn't for you. Just be obedient to what God says, okay? So let's talk about Paul's plans and pals for a moment. Let's look at verse 5 here. It says, now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I'm passing through Macedonia. And then he says in verse 6, And it may be that I will remain or even spend a winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for great and effective door has opened for me and there are many adversaries and if timothy verse 10 you guys remember the book first and second timothy yeah that's who paul was writing to okay this is his ministry partner son in the lord he says and if timothy comes see that he may be with you without fear for he does the work of the lord as i also do therefore let no one despise him and send him on his journey in peace and he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren. But he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. So here we have Paul. And I love Paul, just how he lays this out. If the Lord's willing, okay? And I think that's good to say. Because we don't always know. People ask us and like, well, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> we didn't even take the moment to actually ask the Lord. Like, is this what you want me to do? So it's good. Hey, if the Lord wills, right? So we see that in verse 7. Paul didn't know everything that was going to go, you know, happen. But he talks about this door. And that really interested me in study this week. You see that in verse 9. This is a metaphor for opportunity, Okay. A door has been opened. You guys can jot 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12 down. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Isn't it cool when the Lord opens a door? Yeah, hey, the door. <laughs> but it's another thing, are we actually going to step in <laughs> or not? That's a faith thing. We also see in Colossians 4.3, Colossians 4.3, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word 
to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. So Paul's in jail, chained up, and he's asking what? (laughs) Pray for a door to open that we can share the word of God. (laughs) What would you be asking for in a way of a prayer request if you were locked up in jail? You know, Lord, send me one good meal. (laughs) Get me out of here. But what was his prayer? Hey, that a door would open, that we can share the word. And then I love Revelation 3, verse 7 and 8. In the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. This is Jesus speaking. An open door and no one can shut it. Guys, there's going to be doors that God opens. And he's going to stay open. This is what I want. Okay? No one's going to shut this door. And that's what he's asked of us. You guys know we as the church are to be a pillar of truth in society. That is an open door. Okay? We don't stop being salt and light. That door is open. And the world is dark out there. So don't hide that light, guys. Don't put a basket over yourselves. Shine bright. That is a door we have. So we see this word effective, okay, or adapted to success is what it means. And this word open literally stands wide open. That's what the Greek says. So open infers to some doors are and can be shut, okay, Open, but could be closed. You guys ever have a door open? You don't step through it, and then the door is closed? Like, okay, (laughs) miss that. You told me to, Lord. I love what Alexander Graham Bell said. He said, when one door closes, another opens. But often we look so long and regretfully at the closed door that we don't see the one that is open for us. So are you, are there any doors in front of your face that at this time, you know, are, you're, you're staring at, okay? It's a closed door, but you're just, I'm still staring at that door. I should have done that. You know what, guys? We all should have done that, <laughs> okay? Hindsight's a beautiful thing. <laughs> like, oh, duh, we should have done that, <laughs> okay? But staring at it's not going to do nothing. We learn from it, and hopefully we're provoked that the next time the Lord opens a door, we don't miss what his will is. I'm going to step in this time. I'm going to trust you, God. And if you're a person who does walk through the doors when God opens them, you're going to begin to believe God because this door doesn't make any sense. I I can see it's open. I I see where this makes no sense. But in hindsight, I have a track record. You've been faithful, and when you open a door, I have learned I need to obey. I need to be obedient. So it is not a great way to pray to ask God to open or close doors regarding his direction for your life. Again, verse 7, if the Lord permits. I think that's good how we pray. The, you know, He says here there are many adversaries. Um, we should expect them. Do you guys know how easily we would trip on things in life? Oh, this just got uncomfortable. I don't like this. I'm out. I've seen that in our church. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. I really like Freedom Fellowship. Like, I, I, I think God is doing so much through our church family. I feel like we have a very good foundation. Okay? We uphold God's word. Everything we do, we're looking to Jesus. We want to glorify him. I think there's a beauty and simplicity. I think God really blesses that and uses that. But I also, I've seen a lot of people ripped off, confronted with something. I don't like it. I'm out of here, okay? I, I, I don't like being uncomfortable or confronted. You guys know what? <laughs> Jesus said that his word offends He said his word will rebuke, it will exhort, it will correct. You know, a lot of people don't like that. I just want to go to church and feel good. There are those weeks. Don't we find some passages that are just beautiful and we're encouraged in the love of Christ? We're pumped up, go for it. 
But aren't there other weeks when we're in the scriptures where God loves us enough to speak the truth? Like, you know what? I've got to man up right now. I'm not, I'm, not doing my part. I'm not doing what God's asking me to do. But as a child of God, I've got to share a Finn story real quick. I try not to talk about my kids a whole lot. I don't know if any of your kids, I've never heard of a kid doing this. But I've had Finn several times over the year come to me and say, thanks for loving me. Thank you for disciplining me. Like, what the heck? Like, what kid comes and thanks their parents for disciplining them? But he knows it comes from a place of love. Like, you love me enough to give me line, you know, guidelines, boundaries, to discipline me and correct me when it's needed. And having a fin makes me want to, like, he's challenged me with my dad, not old dude Dave, but my heavenly father, Okay. I want to I honor my old dude, Dave. <laughs> but uh, I want my heavenly father, when he corrects me, I want to have that Finn attitude of, you know what, Father, thank you. I needed that spanking. I needed to be corrected. And thank you for loving me enough to do it. And I hope you guys have that same heart. Because there are going to be times when we are studying the scriptures, which I hope you guys are reading every day. Okay. Do you guys know only 14% of believers read the Bible every day? Only 14%. Man's not going to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God daily. Because I don't know, my thinking gets messed up, and you know what corrects my thinking? God's word. Be in his word daily, guys. All right, so uh, we're going to add adversaries. Don't look at them as a closed door. Like, oh, this is hard. Must be a closed door. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. Do you guys know a pessimist is one who sees difficulties in every opportunity? But then we have an optimist who sees opportunity in every difficulty. I have a tendency to be the first, and I know that's not of God. It's not the spirit of God because I know my God's big. He wants to do big things. So when you find a door, an open door, if it doesn't help you unless you walk through it, right? You actually have to walk through it. I think of the Red Sea crossing. You guys remember back to Exodus, Exodus 14, verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. <laughs> you got to step out forward. One of my prayers over the next four months for our church family is there's a lot of stepping up and stepping forward. I'm going to serve and love my church family. I'm going to do what God's asking me to do. What would that look like if we all just did what God asked? It would be beautiful, guys. So are there any doors that you're trying to kick down right now? Are there any doors that you've just been standing at the threshold of? Maybe today. <laughs> kind of busy today. Actually, this week's busy. Maybe next. Well, summer's right around the corner and the kids are home from school. I'll wait till this fall. Man, if God has a door open, step today, guys. Step into whatever he's asking. Any opportunities maybe you've taken, you know, you haven't taken because of fear. Do you guys know that fear is crippling? We don't walk by sight. And that's why people trip. They see and they fear. But faith, we walk by faith. I don't have to see it. That's not faith. Faith is God has spoken, and I trust him. I'm going to do this without sight sometimes. And isn't it fun? <laughs> Let's talk about Timothy for a second, verse 10 and 11 here. Um, Timothy's a young guy, a youth, inexperienced. Um, I can relate to that, Okay. I've been serving the Lord since I was 18 years old. And a lot of times it was one of those things. It's just like, hey, you're young. You don't have experience. You don't know anything. Well, I know God's word and I know the voice of my God. And this is what he says. Just because you have experience doesn't mean you're right. Can I say that again? Just because you're old doesn't mean you have wisdom from God. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. And I want to encourage you, okay? You might be a youth here this morning. Man, if you know Jesus, 
You follow him. He knows best. And it's easy to want to please men. <laughs> we please God. And we, do, we want to give opportunity. Okay? Put in my heart for our church family. I don't know how long the Lord's going to tarry, but I want to be able to hand off to the next generation. Well, they're, you're, they're young. You have experience and wisdom. You know what? They know Jesus too. God's giving gifts. I see some churches grow so old, they don't have young families in their churches any longer. Why? Because pastor will not let go of the pulpit. He won't allow others to serve and be a part of the body. Guys, we need to freely, man, we all have gifts, each and every one of us. We all need to do our part, young and old, and that's why I encourage you, mom and dads, bring your kids with. Serve with your families. Let no one despise your youth. So what happens when you do that to a young Timothy? Well, here, and this must have been going on in the church, yet don't treat him like a second, second best or second string. Both were doing God's work is what Paul was saying. Both deserve support and respect. So most churches' attendance falls when a senior pastor is gone. Should it? No. I hope you guys are here every Sunday the next four months. Why? Because the word of God is going to be open and it's going to be taught. It's God's word that is living and powerful, guys. Be open to what God has, okay? So let's talk about Apollos now in verse 12, okay? Corinth was a church torn by, you know, party politics. You know, each of you says, hey, I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos or I'm of Cephas, okay, or I'm of Christ. Don't we see that happen in the church all the time? I'm this denomination, I'm that. Whoop-de-doo, stop it off, repent. That's not of the Lord, <laughs> okay? We need to do what God asks us to do. That's the bottom line. Stop playing politics. And I see the church, anyways, we're not even gonna talk about it. Just knock it off. Paul, Timothy, and Apollos all need help. That's the point. They need encouragement from God's people. So are you praying for church leaders? elders, those who are leading studies, those who are teaching our kids for Pastor Lance and Lydia and Luke and whoever else is doing stuff. Be praying for those. Okay? Um, and are you a help? <laughs> what I read here is like, hey, let's be an encouragement and a help to what people are doing. So knowing that this was going to be my last Sunday, I've been praying for a few weeks, asking God for some cool marching. I'm like, God, what would you have me to like commission our church family to do while I'm gone, you know? And I was praying on it. And I felt the Lord really download some very specific things, very clear things. And it was very simple. And I'm like, you know what? That's, it's simple, but if we just do it, that would be rad. So I started preparing, you know, study for Corinthians 16 uh, this last Sunday evening, Easter night. I sat down and like, all right, got to get this outline, get this going. God gave me, this was the shortest prep I've had in years. Like God just said, this is how I want you to approach this passage with your church family. I'm like, oh, that's pretty <laughs> rad. Thanks, God. Um, there's other stuff that's, anyways, we're not going to talk about that. But in those marching orders, I'm studying through, and I get to verse 13 and 14, and I'm like, this is the word that God asked me, you know, to give to you guys in the way of a charge. He spoke to me, tell them to be bold and to really love each other. And then I get to verse 13 in my sermon prep, and I'm reading, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Does that sound like being bold? Yeah. And let all that you do be done with love. I'm like, wow, those are the marching orders. <laughs> I'm like, how rad are these two verses? This is what we just need to do, church. We need to be bold and we need to really love. So there are five imperatives. We can also see these two verses as how to grow strong, okay? It's a strong church or a strong ministry or maybe you host a home Bible study or you're teaching kids church. You want it to be good, you want it to be strong, do these things. Watch Stand fast in the faith, be brave and strong. This kind of makes me think of like military 
you know, orders from a commander to the subordinates, right? You know, watch, be still, you know, uh, fat or stand fast, be brave, be strong, and love. So watch, what does that mean? We just need to be alert. Are you guys alert? Do you know what's going on? Observing what's going on? Some of us get tunnel vision. This is all we can see. This is all I can think. <laughs> I, I can't actually see what's going on. And we have a big God doing much. And it's cool just to open our eyes and just look around, observe what's happening. So watch. Be on alert for our enemy, okay? And be on alert for sin. Do you guys know that sin stinks? Good. Be on alert. Stand fast in the faith. So when under attack, we need to stand fast in the faith. And we don't yield an inch. Don't give any ground up to the enemy. See, your belief is sound, okay? Also see that your belief is applied in your life. It's so important that, hey, this is my faith in Christ. (laughs) This is what his word says, but I'm actually doing it. Am I applying it? Am I being sober, being vigilant? Because that devil, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Like he wants to destroy me. He wants to eat me up. But I read James and he tells me to resist the devil and he will flee. Guys, we need to stand firm, stand fast in the faith. So counter Satan's great debates with your faith. Don't be moved. Oftentimes, guys, it's easy to identify and to stand against all-out attack from the enemy. Okay, it's very apparent. We see it coming. But there's other times we so easily stumble into more subtle forms of attack, like when we, you know, all our friends, you know what? They're doing it, and they're Christians. I don't like to be judgmental. I pray a lot for brothers and sisters, but there's just some things like, this is what God's asked of me. I'm his kid. And even if everyone else is going to do it, I have to do what God's asked me to do. Amen, James. (laughs) So, If you stand for something, or if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. So be careful. Uh, You can jot down Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's what we do. We stand. And then this be brave. I looked that up. It means you need to act like a man, okay? Act like a man. Grow up, okay? We're in a battle. Be the hero. I like superhero shows. Why? Because heroes are cool. I want to be a hero. Well, how are you a hero? You stand fast and you be brave. Engage. Do something. Grow up. No wimps, right? You guys know David spoke of his mighty... Men, right? Even those, you know, uh, made his, his band of guys, a lot of them, they were uh, in distress, in debt, discontented. But never, David never spoke of them as, hey, look at my mighty losers. He didn't say that. These guys were messed up. But man, they were going for it. They were going for it. Even with all their faults and... Things were messy. They were going for it. They were mighty men. And then be strong, okay? Be strong and fight for your king. And it's cool. Be strong comes up 33 times in the Bible. I'd encourage you guys, jump online, read all those verses that come around being strong. You will be blessed. Because it is easy. Well, I'm going to wimp out. I'm going to have a pity party. Woe is me. That's not of the Lord. It's not a godly attitude. But you don't understand. No, we all got our stuff. How many, how many of you guys have something? There's, we all have something. Get over it. Some of your stuff might be harder than others. God's doing. He can be more glorified through it. Amen. So be strong. He's not looking for buff bodies, praise God, <clears throat> but he's looking for a tough inner man. One who can handle criticism and temptation. I love how Paul prayed 
to the, you know, for those Ephesian Christians. He said this, For this reason I bow the knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. We should pray this for one another, that we would be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man. Okay? The outside might be falling apart, but we should be growing and being strengthened to the day Jesus comes to take us home or we die to go be with him. We should be growing, okay? So there's no shortcut in holy living. No shortcuts. And then I love verse 14. Why? Because it's about love. Check it out. Let all that you do be done with love. Love always brings us back into that perfect balance, okay? Let's we become zealots and repeat the crusades, okay? Sometimes I see new believers, they have such you know, zeal for the Lord that, hey, we're gonna do this, and then pretty soon this turns into some crazy legalism, and pretty soon they're completely off the rails way over there, and it's just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Here's the truth. We gotta stay in the love of God. We gotta stay in the love of God. And when we do that, we're going to be loving rightly. So this command also adds depth to all others, okay? Think about it with me. Without love, you won't be watching with alertness. You'll be examining with suspicion. Oops. Did I just talk about the church today? Aren't we really good at that? Whoa, 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 brother. Do you know about this? Do you know about that? This is wrong because of this. And you should know this and that. Everything's evil. We should be suspicious. We love conspiracy in the church. I don't know what the heck's going on. Because we're called to walk in what? The light. In the truth. And when we're not loving rightly, we're not going to be watching rightly, guys. And also, without love, you're not going to be standing fast. You're going to be doing what? Running fast. Why? Because we're fearing but if we're watching rightly, you're going to see Jesus. And you know, as you see him, that perfect love casts out fear. You know what? <laughs> God is up to much here. He is doing. We don't need to be on the run. The third thing I see here, without love, you won't be brave. Why? Because you're going to be a coward. How many of you guys can testify that is as a mom? Mama bear coming out? Has that ever happened for any of you mamas? Isn't that out of love for your kid? Like, I'm, I'm going to be, I don't care what they think right now. This is my kid. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's what God wants. And that comes from a place of love. And I'm going to stand up for you, my brothers and sisters. Man, somebody messing with you guys. You know? <laughs> it's one of those things, no, we need to be brave. We need to speak up. When we see people doing things that are harming others, that is wrong. Killing babies is wrong. Abusing these kids in these government schools and teaching them lies, this is wrong. Okay, we need to be brave. We need to speak up. We need to take a stand. Okay? Also, without love, guys, we won't be strong. We'll have weakness without tenderness. So which of these five that I just laid out here remind you or you've been reminded of this morning? Just like, you know what? That's right. Maybe that's the conviction I was talking about before from the scriptures. God just said that, and I need to address that. All right, let's wrap this up quick. Let's talk about holy homes for a moment. The Stephanus family in verse 15, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus. That is the first fruits of Acacia, and they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. And I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortanus, and Achaeus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such men. And you guys might be like, Stephanus family, that was over a year ago in chapter 1 of Corinthians. You guys remember when he said, hey, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any others. Like, that's the only family that Paul baptized. So they were the first fruits or the first converts there in Acacia. So we learn really what 
from this, what a wonderful family looks like that serves Jesus together. I love this example. A family that serves the Lord, <laughs> they'll stay together. Family that serves together stays together, guys. I've seen a lot of people leave our church family over the years, and there's kind of one common thread with people that end up leaving. They never served. What keeps us together? We're serving the Lord together. We're partnering. I just don't feel connected with anybody. I've had people say that. Hey, you want to hang out? Come serve with me. There's always something happening, and that's where I am. <laughs> you know, want to hang out? Come serve. Um, so we also see here, guys, the, they first devoted themselves, what? In verse 15, they, they devoted themselves. as Actually, they addicted themselves. That's literally, they appointed themselves, which refers to self-imposed duty. Do you guys ever feel that? Oh, I see that need. I'm going to take it upon myself and do something with it. Just do it. Self-imposed. It needs to get done. Do it. They had appointed themselves to the service of their fellow Christians. So the second thing we see, they worked and labored with Paul in verse 16. So this word work, they worked together. It was corporate. And the word labor in the Greek actually means to toil to the point of exhaustion. I read T.C. Edwards this week, and he said this, In the church, many work, but few toil. Few toil. But that's what we're called. This is what this family was doing. They were working to the point of exhaustion. Thirdly, guys, they, they supplied what was needed there in Corinthians, what they could take care of in verse 17, and they refreshed Paul's spirit in verse 18. So what are you doing to help thirsty souls drink deeply of God's word? What are you doing? Are you serving? Are you ministering to others in that need? I also want to note in verse 18, the second part of it, it's okay to acknowledge that these are hard workers. So do you acknowledge those who work hard? Do you acknowledge those who come alongside you and help you in ministry within our church family here. Maybe you have coworkers or families. Do you acknowledge them in what they do? So parents, I would encourage you to raise up a Stephanus family. In verse 19, we have uh, Aquila and Priscilla. It says, the churches of Acacia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their what? House. The early church had house churches. Priscilla and Aquila originally lived in Rome, and then they were banished, and they went to Corinth, okay, where they met Paul, and next, they're in Ephesus, and lastly, they're back to Rome. So in church history, guys, we don't actually see anything of church buildings till the third century. Think about that. Three centuries of just doing church house to house. I think that's pretty rad, right? Um, so... Uh, the little congregations, they met in these private homes. We know Aquila and Priscilla had a church in theirs, both in Rome and Ephesus. They seemed to always make their home a center of Christian light and love. Uh, their home was a haven of rest, peace, friendship. So home fellowships, there really are many churches in a lot of ways. There's a need for that. Some of us, well, I don't need that. I'm good with just coming on Sundays, you know, well, where's the accountability? Where's the opportunity to ask questions, to dive into the scriptures together, to be praying with each other one-on-one? -on -one? There's a lot of benefits to having a bigger church, okay? There's more giftings for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry because you guys are being equipped. Hey, take that to your home. Serve with your families. Be about the Lord's business and what he has. So I believe being a part of a Bible study or a home fellowship really is one of the best ways that we can grow. Okay? When I got on fire with the Lord, I was doing six home Bible studies a week. I didn't care who it was, how old they were, how far I had to drive. I'm willing to go anywhere if they're opening the Bible. I wanted to be with brothers and sisters, and I wanted to learn Scripture. I'm just going anywhere. So I encourage you guys, um, get plugged in in that way because you're going to have People come around you to encourage you, accountability, fellowship. That's where we grow. So have you ever attended one? If not, do it. Maybe you're thinking about starting one. That would be great. Talk to me or one of the elders. Ever think about hosting one or teaching one or watching, you know, a bunch of little bitty kids? I did that for one. You guys remember we had Pastor Levi doing youth ministry years ago? 
I used to watch him and his brother when they were super little so everybody else could have Bible study together, you know? Make it happen, whatever we can do to be a blessing in that way. So the farewell to this entire epistle that we've been in for well over a year. Verse 20, all the brethren greet you, he says. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand. Paul's, if anyone does not love the Lord Christ, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you and all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So verse 20, greet one another with a holy kiss. At this time, I'd like you guys to turn to one another. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This was a cultural thing. Uh, the last time I taught this, some of you guys remember Jeremy Stroke. He came up and gave me one of the big sloppiest kisses I've ever had. I, I would rather not have that happen again. <laughs> You know, I'm okay with a hug or a handshake. We're a little different. But anyways, it's, it's one of those things we need to greet one another. Um, and then verse 21, how many of you guys are familiar with Harry Ironside? He's a commentator. I think he's one of the best that we have that's overlooked and never read. If you want to be blessed, read some Harry Ironside. Um, anyways, during the first half of the century, he was a very popular Bible teacher, evangelist, pastor, author, uh, did a lot of stuff. And towards the end of his ministry, he virtually became blind, the cataracts. My dad just had cataract surgery this last week. That happens when you get old. How many of you guys have had that done? A few of you guys. All right. So I don't know if I could do that someday. That's scary. So toward the end of his life or ministry, Harry actually became bl- almost completely blind. And he had these aides that would come to help him accomplish his tasks or different tasks that he really enjoyed uh, still doing and performing. Um, and a lot of what he was doing was corresponding at that point in his life. However, he would never let a piece of mail go out without first writing his own name in a brief, thoughtful note. And I wonder where he got that. Well, he got it from the Apostle Paul. Like, even though I couldn't write this letter myself, Okay, um, so this he did two things. He added a, a very, you know, warmth to any correspondence and just the authenticity of the contents that were there. And Paul never finished to, you know, he, he always had his PS on the end of letters even though someone else was writing for him. But in Thessalonians 3.17, it says, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is the sign of every epistle, so I write. Okay. And then last verse we'll look at, verse 22. Choose, you either do not love the Lord or you love and long for his coming. Isn't that what that verse says? So the question is, which is it? It's the only thing that really matters, okay? In this word anathema, accursed, if you don't love the Lord, you're dedicated for destruction. That's what that word means. Hell is very much real. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. We should not miss that in the scriptures, guys. So which one is it? So let them be set aside as God's objects of wrath. Okay, that's what he's saying. I love what Jesus said because it's very similar. You can jot down Matthew 10, verse 14 and 15. Whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet, And assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And then he says, Maranatha here. How many of you guys have heard that word before? Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Barclay uh, explains it as an Aramaic phrase that pops up in the Greek letters only to the Greek churches. So he says it really was kind of like a watchword for believers or kind of like a password So Maranatha, as believers, we would understand that. Like if we went and said that word to somebody who's a non-believer, what are you talking about, weirdo? Maranatha what? Is that a gas station? (laughs) What are you talking about? So it's a watchword or a password. So Jesus is coming back again, and that's how he sums up this. Do you guys know that the rapture is the next thing on the prophetic calendar? I'm pretty, Israel's back in the land, guys. Things are shaking up. Jerusalem has become a cup, a trembling to all nations. Things are 
They're not falling apart, they're falling together. I know a lot of people trip out. There's prophecy conferences going on telling people that they should be scared and fear and we need to do this and that. Guys, things are happening exactly the way God has said. And he said, I speak these things to you beforehand that your hearts are not troubled. Let's not be troubled, guys. Let's believe what God has said. Let's get excited that, hey, things are happening just like you said they would, Lord, which means you're coming back soon. (laughs) I'm excited about that. So verse 23 and 24, the most two best ingredients you guys can have. Paul ends with the two best gifts that uh, we can give as Christians, God's grace and our love. Did you guys catch that? So let's be gracious. Let's love. Father, thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for your word. This letter to the Corinthians has been a gift to us, God, and it is so relevant. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, It's spot on today, especially for us as believers here in the West. Still a lot of the same issues going on, but we thank you, Father, for your insight, for your wisdom, for your truth that will correct us, lovingly correct us. And we do want to receive that. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be watching, that we would be standing fast in our faith, being brave and being strong in all that we do that we're doing and in love. Because it's what you said. If we love each other, the world will know that we are your disciples. And you made it so simple. God, please give us of your spirit. God, help us to walk with you well, to love you and others the way you've called us to. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Cool. I know we went a little long today, but it's my last time preaching for a while, so I had to get it out. (laughs) Anyways, actually, that wasn't my intent. It's just a really, did you guys see how practical chapter 16 is? I hope this is a chapter you guys will visit over and over again. It is good. I love you guys. God bless you good. Thanks for listening in today to Freedom Fellowship. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. If so, would you please take a minute like us, subscribe, and leave a review. This is a free way we can reach others with his word. You can watch video teachings of sermons on our website, cometofreedom.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.